Hi, and welcome to another edition of Pillars of Heaven. This is your host, Dr. Mike. I'm in the studio today with my founders, JB. Hi, JB. Hey. And I have uh, Leah, not Miss Leah, just Leah. Hey. Hi, Leah. And we have a special hey. guest today, uh, and that's one of Leah's good friends, so I will have Leah introduce her. Go ahead, Leah. Okay. Hey, everybody. I just want to welcome to the show, Miss Mimi Freed. Hello, everybody. I'm Miss Mimi. I'm so happy to be here. Hey, welcome to the show. Yes, thank you, Mimi. Thank you. I'm excited. Yeah, I've known Mimi probably for about, how long, Mimi? A year? It's a year. year. Yeah, yeah, just coming on a year. Um, We go to church together. And I just want to say that Mimi is an awesome person. I was telling the guys here that... um, that she is like a mom to everybody at the church that we go to. Anytime I look at you, Mimi, you're hugging somebody, including me, <laughs> and like loving on people, and you're just amazing. And you have a really heartbreaking but amazing story that we'd love for you to share with us. Oh, yes, I do. And I appreciate that, Leah. I, um, you know, my uh, father always said they should have probably named me Joy because I he always said they bring people joy. So that's a good thing. Yes, I'll take you do. Mm-hmm. I'll take that. If that's my gift from God, then I'll take it. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so my story is interesting. I am the baby of seven. I uh, was oh, wow. raised in an Irish Catholic family. So that automatically tells you that I'm a little nuts. Uh, <laughs> you, know, you know, just giving you a little little info but yeah so you know i was raised in um in my faith i've always had a very uh close relationship with god but um i had something happen in my life that i never realized until this time what a really close relationship with god can be and that experience was in uh on 8 13 of 2016 my only child uh, 20 years old. He was a month away from his 21st birthday. Oh, wow. uh, took his own life, and he committed suicide. Now, a lot of people want to know why, yeah. and I'm going to tell you why. The um, the reason why is because his mother and his father failed him, and when I say that, what I'm saying is we did not devote our marriage, our lives, and our child to God. And because of that, the enemy won. Now, I have learned through this that marriage is a very difficult thing, Mm -hmm. and it doesn't mean that all marriages are successful. Um, That's definitely something that's real. But it is imperative that even if the marriages do not survive, because biblically there are reasons to divorce. There is absolutely, that's absolutely the truth. But it is also important that we raise our children properly and we raise them in the Lord. And that when they run into problems, rather than us solving them, we teach them. We teach them how to walk in Christ. Because really... The lesson that we all need is that when you have a problem in life, no matter what that problem is, whether you're having financial issues, whether you're having trouble finding a job or whatever it is, the only person who's truly going to give you the answer you need is our father. Mm -hmm. Right. 
And if we walk our life like Jesus and we go to our Father when we are in even even a small situation, it doesn't have to be huge, but when we take it to Him, the answers come, and it really is that simple. Yeah. Right. It's that simple. And when, by this experience, I realized that when my son was going through struggles, I was I was doing that that prayer of, all right, I'm going to make a deal. So I'm going to do this, this, and this, and this if you make my son better. Mm. Or, or I was doing the, just put it on me, I'll take it just take it away from him, which is not right. a possibility, right? Right. So it was just a, um, a Hail Mary prayer. It was just, you know, throwing that football and hoping somebody caught it. Mm-hmm. And it's not what God wants. Right. That's not what he's looking for. I, I never gave, gave it up. I never truly developed that relationship with our father and said, Father, my son, your child needs help Mm -hmm. and you know we might be talking a different story right now had i possibly done that but here's the thing people are going to learn from this and that's a very important issue the um but through this i actually at one point two years after my son's suicide i was so distraught and fallen into the dark and i have always been somebody who's warned people about the dark it's it's tough to stay in the light it's not an easy job but if you turn to that dark it will swallow you in seconds and i turned to the dark and i closed myself off from the world which is exactly what the enemy wanted Mm And I allowed him to speak in my ear. And what I did was I went to the hotel, right, that I could see where my son died. And I went in there. No one knew where I was. No one knew. And I went in there and I said, God, the only way I'm ever going to see my son again is if I commit suicide. So I took over 500 pills, prescription and non-prescription. Um, I drank two huge bottles of wine. I drank two huge bottles of, uh, like, cough medicine. Oh, my. And I was very sick, and I eventually passed out. They broke into the hotel room because I was supposed to be checked out. They got me to a hospital, and I woke up in the hospital realizing I didn't succeed. And they told me that if I lived to see the next day, I was going to need a liver transplant. So I said, okay, here we are. And during that time in the hospital, every person that was on one-to-one with me because of having a suicide attempt, every single person that came to be with me lost a child in some capacity. Oh, wow. Um, Now, we all know that's the work of our father. So then from there... I knew, I knew immediately, and right down the hall from where I was in the hospital, on the other side, was exactly where my son, his life was completed, and his uh, his organs were donated. Um, so, this was not an accident. 
this whole thing brought me to my knees. And let me just say that although they said my liver was so bad, I was going to need a transplant. By the first antidote treatment, my liver was completely healed. Wow. Yeah, that whole thing was the the work of God. Uh, Absolutely. Just surviving that attempt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's a serious attempt. That's five hundred yes. pills. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Oh, yeah. That. That's and all yes. the alcohol. Wow. And yeah. I just I knew then I have to do something, and I had to go into a hospital because obviously secular mm-hmm. world is you know this is what they do. Right. So I had no choice. They sent me down to Philly, and I had to get. But, you know, it's funny if you if you met the people there, they're like, you're not the person who comes here because I was just like Leah said, I was taking care of everyone there. If I saw that somebody if I felt they you know didn't have enough on their plate to eat, I'm cutting up my food and giving them more food. I was, you know, just kind of being that mother. And they're like, you're supposed to be here to take care of you. Yeah. Right. But that's that what that's just not who I am. Um and it was very, it was an eye-opening experience because I saw what happens there. And I know that that was the point of it. God said, you need to know what goes on here because this is the secular world. When we leave here, I'm going to show you what I do. Mm-hmm. And the healing began. The healing began. And it was absolutely amazing. It's been my uh, walk in the wilderness, my it's definitely my 40 years, it's no question. Um, but it is amazing how much I have learned. It is astounding how close I have come to our Father. I, I never thought it was possible. Hmm. Well, never. that's, that, that's uh, inspiring for one. I mean, it's tragic uh, also. Uh, yes. I, I mean... How do you, if you could tell somebody listening now that's suffering with that depression mm-hmm. or, or that's going through the loss of a child, because I, I, you know, suicide itself is a topic that we, we touch on here, but we're going to really dig into uh, at some point because we all believe here that it's running rampant and it's. Oh, it's uh, a, it's a pandemic. Yes. It's the real pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and I, I, as a father myself, I I can't imagine Mm -hmm. going through that or or going through and, and how to get yourself out of, okay, well there's, there's nothing else to live for because that's it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, how do you deal with that tragedy? I mean, what what can you specifically tell them, or somebody that's listening? Uh, you know, you know, how do you put that one foot in front of the other day by day? Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. So mm-hmm. take us back to 2018, Mimi. Right when you when you started seeing the healing. Yeah. Come. Yes. Yeah. So, so well, you know, let's go back further because okay. Okay. when this happens. Your world is pulled out. I mean, right. It, right. the rug was pulled out from you. And, you know, I I was a, an unusual situation because single mom, so I don't have a spouse to lean on, right? right? It's my only child. So I don't, have, I don't have to make sure that everyone else is okay. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yes. I don't have to worry about the siblings who are having to deal with this. Right, right. So... In my situation, it's a little bit different. So when people are, um, when it's the couples, 
that are still together and this is happening, what I've learned is they either come closer together or they, or they blame each other. Over. Right? Yeah. yeah. Right. It's, it's one extreme or the other because yeah. they're going to either hmm. blame one another and yes. just, and that's going to be it. Or they're just going to come together and say, I, I need on each more other. than I've ever, right? you know, right. um, a lot of people say to me, well, you know, when it, when it happened to me, I had my other son and like, you know, it's not like having a spare tire. Right. Right. Um, that doesn't help. And, you know, but it, I think it forces them to keep going. Right. 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 So it pushes people along. Um, cause you're like, look, I have to take care of this child. This is my obligation. And, right. you know, even like the worst parent is just going to at least feel obligated. Right. But when you, when you're really, invested in your children you have that wonderful relationship it's devastating and my son and i were very very close so i didn't know how to live i i didn't know how to get up and like cook and just be me because my you know i spent 20 years of you know him and his friends and everybody else and yeah he you know, was and your all of a sudden world. it's over yeah yeah, yeah. It's over. It's not. It's not the empty nest of my kids going to college. Right. 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 You know, it's game over. So, yeah. um, you know, and I, I do want to share really quickly what's going on in Ukraine right now with these families all being split. I I can't help but think of them right now because these parents are experiencing a, a very different loss because there's kids here and then there's parents over there. And nobody knows if they're they're all lo- they're all losing one another, and they don't know if the other's alive or if they're not. So, right. uh, just on a side note, we need to really commit them to prayer. Um, but Amen. moving forward here, it, it's really hard. But it goes to what I said in the very beginning: if you have a problem, whether it is big, whether it is small, take it to God. Leave it at his feet. Amen. Cry. Weep. Mm-hmm. Do not hold it in. I mm-hmm. was trying to be strong for everybody. You need to yell. You need to scream. Right. You need to get it out of your body. And it's not, you're not yelling at God. I was just going to ask. He understands. Yeah. Right. You're yes, getting that emotion out. Out, right. And there's a difference. And, you know, and even if you do say, why? Mm -hmm. That doesn't really mean. And, you know, a lot of us have the why. Um, I knew my son's why. And, you know, and I knew it was because of my separation. And I knew that he wanted to spend time with his father and his father did not spend time with him. I knew that. Um, And no matter how good of a life I gave him, this was problem. And this was always where it right, went. That was a and void for him. It was a void. Yeah. Right. It was. Yeah. It was, yeah. and that's why um, you know, family. Uh, you know, you there are going to be divorces, but we have to stick together for our children, right? And yes. we have to take them to God. We have to commit them and their problems and everything else to God, because it, I'm sure most of I think everyone here on this panel knows, and I'm sure most of the population knows. The maturity of the human brain doesn't fully happen until the age of 25. So, the decision-making factors, the um, 
the emotions do not mature right. until then. So it's imperative that they're taught that this is where it has to go and they need to know it then because this is where the answers come and this is when they're going to they're not going to be so they're going to have more armor and they're going to be more guarded against the enemy because they don't believe the enemy's going to get them right. they don't believe they're going to get in a car accident they don't believe they're going to get hurt you know when i was young i was the same way you think you're right. yeah, invincible. Teen- yeah, young, yeah, they think, yes, I'm yeah. very and well It's just they that. don't think that. So, right. But they, they think they're invincible. But now, now, our teens especially, and again, these people who are thinking they're very adult and yeah. in this world today are living very adult lives, are also having to... Um, you know, do all of this with an immature brain. Yeah. Their brain is not there for them to make these decisions. So they're making a final decision that cannot be undone. Well, and I, I also think, you know, they're, they're, it's not just that their brains are not fully developed, that they're being bombarded with a society that tells you that now it's more accepted than ever to, right. to just take the out because yep. it, it's like oh, if you can't deal with it well this is a um you know the the, the loss of hope in, in a young person is very powerful and, and Absolutely. I, uh, yeah and i think that uh, now more than ever uh you know when you think back 40 50 years ago or a different generation uh when you talked about suicide it wasn't it was like <gasps> Yeah, you know what I mean. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas now everyone's like, oh, um, you know, I, I I know people that have committed suicide. I <laughs> I, I have a, a ton of uh, friends that have dealt with it, um, and yes. and it's a lot of young people, and, and it comes down to them. Uh, it what I was trying to say, you know, the other generation, it just wasn't an option for them. You know what I mean? It wasn't like exactly. a, a, a sought out alternative to, well, if you can't handle this, then don't, you know what I exactly. mean? Exactly. So, and in 2022, the solution, you know, it's like, Hey, I have a problem. You know what? Let's just end it because right, then exactly. the problem goes away. Yeah, exactly. Right. And you know, and people, a lot of people don't realize too, that these kids are thinking, well, I am a problem. Yeah. So right. if I take my if I take this away, then I'm not going to disappoint mom and dad, or I'm not going to you know. And then there's this whole weird, bizarre thing that's going on on social media where everyone's so brave behind a keyboard, where they're actually saying to one another, "Why don't you just go kill yeah, yourself?" That's Ryan. Yep. I mean, Ryan. this is insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I think I think also not not to get too sidetracked. I think that our culture has been conditioned for death. Ever since the the the, pandem- the pandemic shutdown, uh, with people being isolated, I I really feel for the people that had nobody, no family, when they right. were forced to stay in their homes. Yeah, and yep. uh, I, I think back to uh, over a decade ago when I was going through a, a severe depression, and I couldn't imagine being in in their shoes and not being able to see anybody family that didn't right. want to see you because they were afraid and mm-hmm. right uh yeah I, and i just kind of kick-started it all you know between the the suicides and the depressions and uh yeah mm-hmm. people dying from covid and 
Absolutely. And I'll tell you what, the, you know, the one thing that really bothers me, it's funny, a real trigger for me, I get so upset are these masks. Um, These masks are the act of the enemy. There's no question in my mind because it's such a great way to hide. It really keeps people hidden. It keeps them, um, it's a visual way of keeping people at bay. It it takes their identity away. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I do not like it at all. It's, you know, not being able to see somebody smile and, you know, things like that. It's just not okay. Um, You know, it's it's a muzzle too. It is. You notice someone brought it up one time a while back. It actually, like if someone said it's to silence people. Well, if you... If you noticed, like, whenever we were all forced to wear those masks, people talked less. Yeah. They didn't yes. socialize as much. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Even texting took on a whole new life. And, you know, there's no the phone calls just kind of went away. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. We're already isolated enough. Yeah. By, by our cell phones and, you know, computers and televisions and everything else. We don't need more isolation, yeah. you know. I mean, this is not okay. And 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 of course, let's let's just also take into effect here, because you you guys had asked me, what do you tell people? You know, what what advice? Yeah. The best advice I can give anyone: get to your church, get to your pastor, get to your knees, and just keep doing it. And stick with the people who are going to help you through, because even your blood might not be the one who's going to help you. Yeah, right. Correct. That's a great point. Okay. Yeah. Stick with your Christian fellow brothers and sisters who are walking in Christ because that is the way. Because you have to take it to God, but you need their support. And some of them may have experienced it. They might not share it with you, but they may know what it feels like. And then there's others that do not know. They haven't lived it, but you know what? They have their faith and those that combination that's going to keep you in the light that's going to keep the enemy at bay you're going to have all these people praying for you to keep the enemy because it's the easiest time to take you down right and to isolate when you're hurting like that bad you just you want to isolate yes yeah you do it feels like the right thing because you don't want to be a burden right and you know you don't want to be you know, everyone having to worry about you and everything else. And then every little thing you do and say, and you know, like, Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say that. And you know, it just can, it can be a hassle, but honestly, if you, if you have a church, go there. If you have a pastor, go there. If you mm-hmm. don't find one, because I promise you, these people will help you. Um, Ms. it's Ms. definitely Mimi, the answer. Yes. I wanted to ask you and I, I, I pretty much, uh, I, I kind of know the answers to this already because, you know, just of my own life experiences, but uh, f- for the sake of everyone listening that could be going through this too, do you, you suffer through, um, do you go through peaks and valleys, good times and hard times? Because I know you sound very hopeful and yeah. you're close to the Lord, but we still are, uh, uh, you know, in this human flesh and uh, we do oh, go yeah. through valleys. Oh, there's no doubt. So um, just so you guys are aware, I um, have definitely gone through some serious. um, hmm. I, you know, I'm not always this perky, happy Miss Mimi. Um, I like to be as much as possible. And 
Um, God has given me that gift, which I'm very thankful for. However, yes, mm-hmm. I mean, there's just times. Um, I had the other day, I just was at work, something, I, I can't even tell you what it was because I don't know. Something just, I don't know if it was a smell, if it was something, but something hit just a certain way. And I just missed my kid. Yeah. <laughs> I just missed my kid. Yeah. And I just had tears rolling down my face. And I had to just get up and walk away. Um, you know, and then I've had other times where I had to, I, I felt like I, I was going to crawl out of my own skin. And I was like, I, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. And I'm, I'm right now going through a, um, a, you know, I'm still in that wilderness a little bit. I, um, I was left basically homeless, and I've been living in a hotel for the last 10 months. Oh, wow. um, life has not been easy since this happened yeah. with my son. And, you know, having to regroup after my suicide attempt and everything else, it's been a struggle. Um if it wasn't for my church, if it wasn't for my church family, them checking on me, them texting me, um, we have a special page that is private on Facebook. Yeah. It's literally the only thing I go to. And sometimes just when, you know, it's the middle of the night, I'll just be on there reading different things because it's it just brings me back. Um and I have people now that I can really go to and rely on. So my valleys are not nearly as bad as they once were. Yeah. And they are getting better. But yes, you mm-hmm. run into, um, it's just a week ago was the anniversary. Right. So it was a very tough day. The anticipation of it coming <clears throat> is horrible. You know, I think about what we were doing up until that point and, um, then that day I'm just kind of uh, indifferent right and uh, this past Saturday I had a lot of healing I was cleaning at my church and I just was very quiet and I had some Christian music playing and I was doing my thing and God was speaking to me and it was a warm quiet healing this time and um, because I stayed the course and walked through it as opposed to going around it this time. And next next year, who knows? I, I might walk around it. I don't know. I can't promise you anything. Right. Because right. it's this is going to be with me for the rest of my life. Um, and it doesn't go away. But I do use it as a vessel to help people as often as, as I can. You know, and, and that's something I, I actually just wrote down here was uh, yeah, just uh, imagine the people that you can help because right. it's a big difference between me trying to help somebody and telling them my thoughts about it mm-hmm. and right. somebody like you as well. telling them that I've actually put those shoes on and yes. walk that mile, right? So yes, uh, you being able to help other people in that situation is super important. Mm -hmm. I agree. And, you know, the window is huge because I can help the parent. Right. 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 I can, I can be there to just hug them, hold them, let them talk, um, you know, validate, (laughs) you know, what you're feeling. It's normal. Yeah. Keep doing it. Get through it. Um, I have been 
you know, Leah knows I've done child care and elder care since I was 10 years old and I'm 55 years old now. And um, so I've touched a lot of lives in that capacity. And I, those kids know you come to Miss Mimi, you call Miss Mimi. Yeah. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll get up. I'll go wherever you need me to be. I don't care what it's going to take. I will come get you. And, you know, and not only that, I've had strangers who are like, just feel comfortable and they'll just start talking to me. It's, right. it's crazy. Yeah. And they'll just start spilling out their story to me. And I just will just hug them and let them talk. And then I tell them, you know, I lost my son and I'm sure that your parents don't want to lose you. Yeah. This right. isn't a solution to a problem. So God uses it very often. And, some of the most bizarre situations and it's um i mean just for example just the other day i was driving home from work i left work much earlier than i would have normally and there was a traffic jam and i noticed there was a three-car pile up on the side of the road and when i passed i turned and i thought the boy that was there was one of the women from our church i thought it was her son and I was on the phone with a friend of mine. I said, a kid of mine is in an accident. One of my kids is in an accident. I got to go. I hang up. I pull over. I run out of the car. And I'm yelling, Jaden, Jaden, Jaden. And he looks up at me. He goes, I'm not Jaden. And I looked at him. I'm like, oh, my gosh, you're not. And But God made me see Jaden. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just turned and ran. And I went up. And that child, 18-year-old, just jumped into my arms. I mean, he he literally just leapt at me. Wow. He was shaking. He oh, was wow. crying. He was distraught. And I looked, and the car that he had rammed into had two children in car seats in the back. Oh, yeah, wow. And he said to me, I said, I'm Miss Mimi. I'm here to help you. And he said, Miss Mimi, please check on those children. Now, now tell me, does that not show you the heart of that child that was standing there? Wow. All he wow. wanted was for me to make sure that those children were okay. So I went over and the mother was screaming at this boy and say, you could have killed my children. It which, you know, yeah. I, I realized she was very upset. Okay. So, you know, I'm like, it's okay, ma'am. Your, your children are okay. Let's just have you stay over here let me stay over here with him and we'll get the police so i stayed with him he was shaking yeah right i mean he was completely distraught and i'm still in contact with him i'm still in contact with his family because he had said he two weeks before that he had a major car accident where he was a passenger he had a concussion so when he was on this road he was already scared when this traffic jam happened he freaked out he didn't know what to do because he's an inexperienced driver right huge accident and now he's terrified and he's he's all upset because covid lockdown Mm -hmm. the car accident and he goes everything is horrible everything goes wrong you can't get and i'm just praying yeah i can't imagine being a young person right now right yeah right and to hear him how desperate he was i mean it's been amazing. I mean, he just, you know, and then when his parents took him to the hospital, they were texting me from the hospital, letting me know how he was doing. The next day, his first reaction was to reach out to me and thank me. Wow, um, Mimi, that's And I amazing. said, you know, that wasn't me. That wasn't me. I know you think that was me, but all the glory goes to God because he is the one who brought me to you. 
Right. Wow. And he knows what you needed. And I got to tell you, I when I left there, I got back home. I, I was weak in the knees because I could literally feel God saying, I think we saved this one from trying to do the inevitable of trying to commit suicide. Mm. I am telling you, this kid was that shaken. Wow. And it was... It was just beautiful. And he's still, you know, he's going off to college. He's like, Miss Mimi, I'm packing up and getting ready to go to college. And I said, okay, well, I'm going to be praying for you. And, you know, so it's it's nice to have this little, you know, I don't know him at all. um, But his heart was shown to me by God. And I saw that this is just another one of God's babies who is suffering as a result of pandemic, as a result of the world we're living in right now. And just, you know, you could see that he was automatically going to, I can't take it anymore. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and that's not a solution. No. Right. And they need to learn the solution and pandemics are closing churches. Yeah. Taking those solutions away and further isolating people, right? You know, exactly. And, and the whole shutdown with the whole Zoom movement I mean, it just yes. made people lazy because how many people are still doing it now that they are able to get back exactly. together? Exactly, exactly. So that's further isolation than we already were, right? Before and that's what the enemy wants isolation that for is sure. fuel yeah. for the enemy. Yeah. That's not God's way, yeah. That is not God's way, but and Ms. we have to rise above it. Miss Mimi, going back to um, about the peaks and valleys, because I wanted to, I wanted to touch on the valleys again, because I really think this is important for people to hear. Because I think sometimes people believe that when somebody um, follows the Lord and 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 you know Christ is their savior that they're automatically like everything is just great and, and, and there's oh, no problems. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I know from experience that that's not true. And I have, Absolutely. I have fallings away, you know, when yeah. I sin or, and then there, there's times when I feel like I'm standing on a mountain and everything's great. And then sometimes I feel like I'm down in a ditch in right. the miry clay. And, and I feel like sometimes that yes. I, not all that, not all hope is lost, but pretty darn close. Yeah. And yeah. one thing that in, in my own experiences, and, I, and I'm going to let you touch on this. Uh, one thing in my own experiences is that I know that I know in my mind, the enemy wants us to isolate ourselves, to walk away, right. even after you sin. And but I tell myself, no, I'm going to keep on doing what I'm doing. I'm going to keep right. cracking open my Bible and reading it and keep praying. And I feel like those times in my life, I almost feel like God is. It, that Jesus is grabbing me by the back of my shirt and dragging me through the situation. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's absolutely. okay. Yeah, absolutely. It happens. He's willing to do it. Yeah. He's willing to do it. No, and that's the truth. So I'll give you an example of a valley. And, you know, Leah can attest to this because Leah has actually witnessed it with me. And Leah was part of the reason uh, I came out of my valley. So I think this is very appropriate to talk about here because she's going to be able to, um, you know, weigh in on this as well. So I had, um, even, even before I ended up homeless and having to live into a, move into a hotel, I was really going into some tough times and I was, I was kind of, um, 
you know, I was really feeling it. I was really trying to face my, you know, my son's death and trying to face what I had to deal with and, and try to be the best Christian. And I was failing and I was, I was stuck in that mindset of what you're talking about of, well, you know, a real Christian is like perfect and I'm not perfect. I'm horrible. I'm messing up like crazy. And, you know, I'm just must be horrible. So I would get into these moments where I would just be constantly crying. And I really had some, some moments where the floodgates just opened and I couldn't stop them. I just couldn't stop them. And I, every time I would go to church, I, I had it in my head that when I would say something like, you know, I'm just really upset about my son and I, you know, everything about my son and da, da, da. in my mind, the enemy's whispering, mm-hmm. they just rolled their eyes at you. Right. They're sick of hearing it. They don't, they're, they're done. They're done. They think you're just being a jerk. You need to get over it. Yeah, you know, and this is what the enemy's are, feeding. Yeah. yeah. And so that's why I would pull away. Had it not been for the Leahs and the Joannas right. and yeah. the Bobbies and mm-hmm. the who kept pulling me. Right. Just like you said, Jesus pulled you. Yeah. They were reaching at Mimi, don't do this. Don't, don't, don't do this. I see where you're going. Right. Don't believe you the lies. You need to come yeah. to church. Yeah. And you don't, have you don't ever stop. So that's interesting that you said that, that you need to come to church so that you were thinking, you actually kind of answered the question I was getting ready to ask. So you were thinking about isolating yourself. Yes. And it's almost like you were saying to yourself that I'm not worthy enough to go to exactly. church because it's almost like you were going back on your dedication to the Lord. Exactly. See, that's, exactly. that's what I wanted you to share with everybody because people need to understand that you've... You've gone through this and you're still going through it. It's a journey. Right. But people need to know that um, so that they don't lose hope, so that if they have a day where they feel very distant from the Lord or they feel like they've lost all hope, that to keep on going even when you feel like you're not going anywhere. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, um, Leah and, and our friend Joanna actually expressed to me and it's something that stayed with me and means the world to me. They said, despite it all, Mimi, you never missed church. You you kept coming Wednesday nights. You kept coming on Sunday, even though it was because they, they saw it. And I'm sure Leah will tell you, I didn't want to go. Yeah. Right. I didn't want to because the enemy was in my ear. Yeah. They mm-hmm. don't want you they don't right. want to deal with this anymore. Accuser of the brother. Yeah, <laughs> that's what he does. Yeah, and Leah was there with me the one Wednesday night when I actually isolated. It was only a small group, but I isolated myself from the group. Mm, I remember that and that prayer I, meeting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, and mm-hmm. I sat away and I just was weeping. And people would come over. Can I help you? No, nope, leave me alone. Nope, leave me alone. Mm-hmm. And I, I just kept telling them, leave me alone. And. I, I'm pretty sure, Leah, you were probably praying for me to come over because I ended up coming over and, and I sat right next to Leah and she put her hands on me and was praying nonstop for me the whole time. Pastor looked at me and he goes, what's going on, Mimi? And I couldn't even speak. Yeah. I said, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. Because that was how bad the struggle was. I didn't have words. 
Right. Yeah. All I had were tears. I, I didn't have words. I was so distraught. And they so they just sat there with me. Yeah. But that's and, that's amazing that that God used people to to pull you into those um those events, the church events, uh, because yes. uh, just you being there, uh, you might feel like you weren't really making any progress at the time. But the, oh, absolutely! The enemy wanted to isolate you. He wanted yep. he wanted you to just say, "No, I'm not going anywhere and doing anything," and then he can further torment right. you. Right. Absolutely. Um, and then, and then we beat, then we get inside of our own heads, and we start beating ourselves up, and we feel like we're not worthy of God's presence, or we, we yeah, feel like it's we a big feel old like cycle. Yeah. The problem is, is I think a lot of times we dictate our lives, at least the the flesh side of us, we dictate yes. our lives by how we feel, and that's a very right. dangerous. That's a very it dangerous is. compass to use. Mm-hmm. It is. Um, and it's, and I'm, I'm not saying I'm. I'm guilty of this, you know, I'm guilty Absolutely. of it. Yeah, um, but I try to remind myself, even if I don't feel in touch, you know, spiritually one day or another, I still go about reading the Bible and praying um, because we, we can't use our feelings as, as a way of... No, they lie to us all the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they do. Yeah. And, and the enemy and will use yes, anything enemy. as a tool. Yes. Yeah. Yes, because he doesn't have a very big arsenal. You know, he really doesn't. He uses the same things, but they work so well. Why would oh, he yes. stop? <laughs> yeah. So he doesn't need a very big arsenal. Um, he's, you know, he's able to utilize this and he, it's working. It's working for him. And, you know, we have adults who are buying into this and then mm-hmm. they're selling it to their children. And, you know, it's, um, I mean, our children are really getting lost. Yes, they are. This this is where I'm most heartbroken because, you know, it's one thing for an adult to make a choice. And, okay, you know, if that's how you want to live your life, I'm sorry. I'm just going to pray that you turn it around. But having been the person who has done hospice and elder care, I can assure you that when people reach their end of life, if they have not gone to Christ— I have yet to see one person. I have yet, and I have seen people who are dead set against church, God, you name it. But when they are there and it's about, they know it's about to happen, the first words out of their mouth are, God help me. And I have witnessed it myself. I I have shared this with many people and it's just, and even those kids who are feeling suicidal, who are feeling unloved, who are feeling hopeless, even they are talking to God. Yeah. But they're listening. They're talking to God, but they're listening to the enemy. And this is mm-hmm. where this is where this ends up getting really messed up. And this is because they don't know how to listen. Everybody knows how to just say, God, I need you right now. I I had too much to drink. I'm throwing up. I'm so sick. If you save me, I'll never drink again. And then tomorrow night you're drinking, right? Everybody does that one, right? Everybody does that one. And that's what they're doing in that moment. 
They're like, God, if you'll just step in and take this away, I'll, I'll, I won't do it anymore. But they don't realize that that's not the prayer because no one taught them. Yeah. Right. So the enemy knows, oh, that's the prayer I was looking for. He's going to be easy to get. She's going to walk right into my, you know, my vessel. I'm just going to tell her, yeah, now he closed that door. Come on. Come over here. And that's the problem. That we need to keep our children safe. We need to keep, I'm not saying that they're not going to get divorced. But we need to keep family, family. We need to get back to community. We need to get these children protected Mm -hmm. by the blood of Jesus, by being in their church community, by being in their family community, and being surrounded by people who love them. So when trouble comes, they have more than one person to reach out to. And they need to be taught. We, as adults, need to be showing them. and, And I failed. I failed at this. And I know I failed at this. And so that's why for me, I know this is very important. I just spoke with my ex-husband recently over the last weekend because we always talk over the time of JJ's Mm -hmm. death. We always talk. And he's having a very difficult time with it as well. It has brought him back to the Lord as well. And he is ministering to people in prison and telling his men, go be with your children. I don't care about the baby mamas. Go be with your children. Yeah. Okay, which is huge. That's huge. He's doing this. And uh, he has devoted his life to his faith again, which is fantastic. You know, he's got my support, my prayers all the time. Um, So we were talking and, you know, he always says, Mimi, this is my fault. This is all mm-hmm. my fault. And I'm like, it's, you can't, you cannot take this burden. Yeah. Right. This, this is you and I. And I said, in all honesty, and this is what I just shared with him. When we were still married and you fell short and you, when you were the leader, I let you be the leader of our house. But when you step back and you, t- you let that leadership go, that onus was put on me, and it's biblical. I was then supposed to step up and take that lead until you came back. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as you came back, then I was to step back. And that's what marriage is. That's what being submissive is. And that's very important. Submissive is a word that's being misconstrued And it's a very strong, powerful, good word that's misunderstood. And if we take on that role as our, as the husband, as the, you know, wife, as the mother, as the father, and we take that seriously and we, we act on it through Jesus, guess what? Our kids are going to still have peaks and valleys, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but boy, are they going to be stronger they're going to be able to fight now because we're going to teach them, uh uh-oh, we got a problem. We need to get on our knees. Hands up, knees down. We need to do this because the only way is Yahweh. We have to go to him. And if we do this, this is what they're going to do, and this is what they're going to teach their children. Will they possibly walk away from it when they're older? 
that's that's an option. God gave us free will. Yeah. We have right. to give our yeah. children free will. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it, while that may sound very simple, it actually is. <laughs> and I didn't do it. I didn't do it. And neither did my husband. And, you know, here I am now saying, let's make a difference in who's here. Because I can't change what was done. Right. But now I know. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes the best lessons are from the mistakes. Yeah. True. True indeed. Mm-hmm. God uses, and, you know, God uses all of this. I am, my faith, my walk, my scripture is, well, I love Ephesians 6. You know, I, I love the armor of God. It's my absolute favorite. I can't get enough of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other one is definitely John, uh, John 15, verse 5. I am the vine. Mm-hmm. You are the branches. Yeah. You know, you within me and I within you. It's amazing what can be done, right? Yeah. So yeah. if you, and he, and he says, he says plainly, without me, you're nothing. Right. Right. Without me, you are nothing. And it's true because this is our solution. And this is our way to help our children. And we as, you know, now I don't have my child and I am not, you know, I'm not a mother, right? But as Leah said. Yes, you are. And very motherly. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I, I take that role very seriously. And I extend that to people all the time. Because that's time. a gift yep, that do. God give has given me. That's mm-hmm. all God. That's not me. That's that's the Jesus in me that God gave me. And he said, here's what I want you to do. And I do it. And I do it often. And I love it because every time I do, I'm stronger in my faith. And I know, Miss Mimi, that, that you, blamed, you blamed yourself. You accepted the failure on your part. For what Absolutely. happened, but uh, I just want to say though that there, there's a lot at work. the The enemy is hard at work on the children today, and and there's so many attacks from all different angles on children. It mm-hmm. is it is so much harder to be a parent these days, raising oh, yes. kids in the way of the Lord. Yeah, for sure. Right. Um, and I'm going to use an as an example the entertainment that's presented to children. Yeah. Uh, it it started with uh, I mean it started it started way before this, but it's with Harry Potter. And all oh, the, yes. the books and the movies, and uh, there's so much like entertainment out there about witchcraft and wizardry and sorcery, and and it's it's yeah. in all of the te- it's in all of the it's laced throughout the entertainment. And um, I fell into that too. And I just want to say that you know, I know you you accept it uh, that you failed, but I don't want you to beat yourself up too hard on this because. Like I said, the enemy is so hard at work. There's so many things that are outside oh, yeah. of our control. Um, yeah. Yes, we can we can try to monitor what our children do, but there's still ways for them to slip through the cracks with the media just bombarding everybody with, with garbage. Oh, absolutely. And it's so absolutely. subtle. It's so subtle it, how it's done. Oh, yes. Absolutely. No, I agree with you. And it's um, it was part of my healing. It was... It, for me, it was just accountability of being able to mm-hmm. see it. It, 
you know, the enemy is mm-hmm. not at work in that one. He was for a while. Um, for me, it's it's in helping people um, in their marriage and kind mm-hmm. of saying to them, you know what, don't mm-hmm. you know, don't walk away from your marriage, you know, especially if your problems are really very small. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Stick with it and just just take the reins while your your spouse is maybe going through a rough patch, and then let them take those reins back. But I the the best healing for me. And even with the healing, still have the peaks and valleys, mm-hmm. and I'm going to have them. Ten sure. years from now, I'm going to yes. have them, oh, okay? Yeah. There's no question. But w- the biggest healing was was when I went to my father, our father, and I said, God, please forgive me. And that was the hardest thing for me because I didn't want to have to say that. And... The picture that I have in my mind is me kneeling down with my head down, tears streaming down my face saying, please forgive me, Father. I didn't mean to harm my son. I didn't mean to do wrong. I I was trying and I'm I'm pouring my heart out to him and and God in his his love, Mm -hmm. his un believable love was standing over me with his hand on my back and he lifted up my chin and he said you're already forgiven you just have to forgive yourself right right you have to let Mm -hmm. this go you didn't do anything purposely to harm anyone and he just it's a visual for me that is an action of a parent you know, when you have a child who did something wrong because they're going to do things wrong, what do we do? We cannot, we hug them, we console them, and we teach them, right? And that's exactly what he did to me. And through that, I was able to really find healing. And it's, um, it might sound silly, but it's, it really is true. And I can actually, as I'm talking, I can still see the visual. That's beautiful. Yeah. It doesn't sound silly. Yeah. No, you know, it's, um, and you know, those tears, those tears are healing. Mm -hmm. He collected every one of them, you know, he, he kept them all and he's going to use every one of those tears for something good. So, you know, it's not a matter. I, I've passed the beating myself up stage. Yeah. Um, I, you know, because I was able to forgive myself. Mm-hmm. But let me tell you, that's a really rough thing to do. I'm sure. I can't imagine. It's really hard. And I, um, you know, because so I don't know if any of you guys have ever seen The Passion of Christ. Yes. Oh, yeah. The yeah. For sure. Yep. Mm-hmm. So it, to me, it's it's such a beautiful movie. And what captured me all those years ago when my son was very young um, was the segment where Jesus is carrying the cross and he drops to his knees and Mary is watching him mm-hmm. and she sees him fall as a child. Yeah, they show breaking. the they show like the flashbacks. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yes, that spoke to me. I mm-hmm. I couldn't even catch my breath the first time I saw that scene. I, because I was like, oh my gosh, I, I cannot imagine what Mary 
right. went through. Okay. And let me just share one other really important facet. That and I think people a, forget, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I think some people forget ahead. that they were very much human. Yeah. And, and right. Because we read the stories of the Bible and, you know, we read about, you know, Jesus Christ. And I said before in, in another episode that the Bible is summarized. So it leaves out a lot of like all the yes. nitty gritty. Like they Everyday were actually kind of yeah, yeah. They were real people. You know, yeah. Jesus was a carpenter. He built things for people. And, um, yes. and Mary, Mary was and Joseph, his mother, you know, yeah. she, lo- you know, she yeah. loved them. And, yeah. and just like any mom loves her children. Right. And, uh, yes they leave all those details out and I guess it's left to us to kind of like understand like they were people. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. And I, you know, people always say it was the greatest story ever told. They're like, it's a story. And I'm like, well, yeah. So is the story of my family. When I tell you a, a real story that happened of something in my family, that's a story, Right. but it happened. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. right. You know that they're they're almost saying like it's it's not real like a fairy tale, but it's not right. Yes. Right. And um, that's not the case. But yeah, and even even in that movie, they'll show where he was. He was building a table, and then he yeah. calls to his mother to come and see it. Yeah. And you know, like I come check that. it out. I know. See, I like that too. Yeah. And I, what you're saying, it brought that that humanness right right to to them and i i love that yes. because that is what's missing biblically is you feel the emotion in psalms you feel it in proverbs but right, right. you don't really get the emotion so to speak um and in if you've gone to um uh sight and sound they're very good oh, about yeah. getting the emotion yes yeah. They get the emotion. They bring the emotion to David, and they, you know, carry it right into the crowd, and it's beautiful. Right. Um, but yeah, and that I think you're right. I think that's forgotten too. Yeah. Like these stories, and and they're so old. Those stories are so old, but they're still pertinent today. Oh yes. Right. right. Yep. The woman at the well. I'm sorry. There's how many women at the well right now? Right. I, I can think mm-hmm. of I can think of ten people immediately, right? And I think you know we're all we've all been there. We're you know oh, they're all talking about me. Right. They're all you know yeah. I'm pointing isolated. their fingers, I'm, yeah, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know there's so many people who you can you know Moses. Moses had what a stuttering problem, yep. and and he had um, issues with his you know with his own self esteem. Self esteem and right. self worth is a major issue in this country right now. I, it, it, the whole world's having an identity crisis, which yeah. is why we're going through all this other, you know, mm-hmm. all this other stuff. Like, I don't know who I am, yeah. you know, and yeah, we yeah. have a school in Pennsylvania that is having these children represent themselves as cats, which is bizarre. Um, but why mm. why are we having an identity crisis right. all of a sudden as an entire world? Why? Well, we know why. We you know. Yeah, <laughs> we know why. But identity crisis was real. Yeah. Moses, when he was asked to be Moses, and asked, he said, "I, I can't do right. this." He was right. like, "Not me, son. I can't speak to all these people and do this." Yeah. You know, like, no yeah. way. Who am I? I'm nobody. I can't even. I can't even speak to the man next to me without stuttering and stammering. Yeah. Well, we'll get somebody to speak on your behalf. You just tell him what to say. Okay. Yeah. Deal. Yeah. Well, right. Miss Mimi, I, I know you have prior engagements, so uh, yeah. we don't want to keep you too much longer. And we definitely want to have, have you on the show again because we, yeah, we definitely want to continue this mm-hmm. conversation uh, on on so many things uh, because 
this experience, this this really covers a lot of different topics. Yeah, it really does. But exactly. um, before we go, before we let you go, uh, is there any one more thing, any last thing you want to say to everybody or any questions that you want to answer? Um, so here's the deal. We need to pray for our children. We need to pray for whenever we're praying, just say a blanket prayer for mental health, for um, any person who is considering suicide. Just ask for God to touch them um, because it's just like, you know, like we said in the very beginning, it, it really is the true pandemic. Um, it's, it's something that is affecting this entire world and it just is not a solution. We need to reach our children. We need to have vessels available to them that they can come and they have a place so that they can feel comfortable, that they can express themselves, that they can be guided properly and, you know, just really taught how to solve a problem. I mean, these are the same people who can't give change to somebody because they can't figure it out mathematically unless the computer tells them what it's supposed to be. You know, this is, I mean, even just something simple like that is something that has become an issue. And and, uh, not to get too sidetracked, but I get angry at older people that, that pick on the younger kids for that. Yes. Because I I say, well, whose fault is that? Exactly. (laughs) That's not their fault. Obviously, that's, right. that's a failure on the older people's fault and the exactly. educational system. Absolutely, hundred percent, hundred percent. But sorry, go on. <laughs> no, but yeah, no, I'm with you, hundred percent. I agree. I used to teach, and I taught my kids how to balance a checkbook. Yeah, yeah. Here's how you balance it. Because although I gave birth to one, I have a lot of kids. Yeah, I have a lot of yeah. kids. Because I was a daycare teacher, I was I helped coach, I was team mom, I volunteered in schools, I was very active in my community. I you know so kids are my thing. I love them, and I have a lot of them. So I make sure to tell them, I don't care what your problem is. You come to me. I don't care what we have to do. I don't care how many curse words we got to say. I, I, that doesn't matter to me. Say it. Do it. Let's get it out there. And let's start the healing. And we we need to take these kids back. We we're we're gonna stomp on the enemy, and we're gonna take these kids back. These are these are God's babies that we're saving. Right. Yeah. Amen, Mimi. Yeah. These are God's babies, and He's put that onus is on all of us Christians to do what we can, no matter how little that is. It could be a hug. It could yeah. be a smile. Absolutely. Right. You know, it doesn't matter what it is. You have no idea what kind of change you can make. So, make that ripple. You know, make we're living in a we're living in a very broken world, and even just as much as a smile to somebody could yeah. could light yes. their whole day. Um, that's why, like, I, I, you know, I, I thought about that the one day I was walking past somebody, and um, I was at the grocery store, and yeah. I was waiting uh, to cross the aisle, and this one lady was in front of me, blocking me, but she didn't realize that that uh, I was even there. And then right. I had like this serious look on my face, and she looked at me, and then I cracked a smile, a big smile. And then right. she said, and she just kind of like, she smiled and like almost giggled. Yeah. And it's like, I could tell that that smile made her day. 
Yeah. And she thanked me for, for letting her for letting her go before me. Mm-hmm. Right. But it was I never saw such a joyous smile before. Like that yeah. smile just like melted her heart. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And Absolutely. I, and that's it was, that was a very it was a very Christ like smile. It's the best way I could describe it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I do want to share something that um is very near and dear to me. I was raised in a Catholic environment okay and i personally and this is not a to put down anyone in any way shape or form personally i've stepped away from catholicism because as an adult i made a choice the reasons for that choice are not important i made a choice Mm -hmm. and i gave my life to christ in my late 20s and you know that's just my choice so but what i will share is that my mother, who I consider to be one of the greatest human beings I've ever known in my life, because I honestly never met anyone like her and her sister, who was my other mother, basically, who walked Jesus, who talked Jesus and lived their lives that way. Every, everything they did, everything. And, and they went, my mother, my mother went through some serious tough times, really tough. She never left her marriage. She, and she could have, she could have, there were some really, really bad times. Um, Biblically, she would have been totally fine to do so. She felt that it was put on her heart when she prayed that she, stay um she definitely was a guiding force for me in my faith she was my mentor my original mentor and she actually um one of the things that you know we were poor my mother stayed home and raised us and there were seven of us on the baby Uh, my father worked at the bethlehem steel and he worked a lot. We hardly ever saw him, but he was constantly working. And she took care of us. And she had us go through 12 years of Catholic school. In that experience, we had to, and it was, it, we had to, we were forced to do it, but you didn't feel like you were forced to do it. It was just a way of life. We would work at the church. We would work at the school in the summer, you know, all year round whatever it was um and my father was very handy so he would go in and he would paint he would repair things he would do whatever it took you know and and he would do that for nothing but what they ended up doing was they would put that money towards our tuition because it was very expensive Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. so when i say community that's what i'm talking about we had community my mom had one son who had spina bifida and there were times that they, we didn't have all the hospitals that we have now. And he was born in 1958. So he, um, he, when he would get sick, there wasn't a hospital in our area that would even take him. So they had to go to St. Christopher's in Philadelphia. So no matter wow. what happened, they had to find someone to take care of the kids, hop in the car and drive him all the way to Philly, which at, mm-hmm. in, you know, 1958 was not that easy as it is now. 
And they would have to go and get there. And if they couldn't find anyone to take care of the kids, they would have to throw the kids in the car, stop at the convent next to St. Christopher's, drop all the kids off with the nuns, and then go to the hospital. Hmm. So can you even imagine this? Like, this is this is insane, right? So, but what was amazing was they, the whole community came together. Right. You know, they could call somebody at three in the morning and go, I need somebody to come say, stay with my kids. Yeah, that's, I have yeah. to take Tommy, you know, and that's what we have at my church with Leah. That's what we have. We have that. Mm-hmm. We have that community. We have that um you're down. Mm-hmm. All right, we're 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 not just going to pray. We're going to do. What what do you need? Yeah, yeah very awesome. true. It's a small church, but man, do they genuinely care and love? Yes. Yes. And you know, the church needs uh, you know, a paint job. The church needs this. The church mm-hmm. Who's here that can help us? We'll do it. Let's do it. And and we do these things together. And you know, this this makes God smile. This that's walking Jesus. That reminds me of the book of Acts when the the believers they all came together as a community. Those who had more gave to those who had less and shared everyone was and, they shared right. everything and right. everyone no one was in need right. of anything. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, and even for the secular world, there's a story called Stone Soup. Mm-hmm. Have you guys ever oh, heard yeah. of that? Yep. Yes. And a stranger comes to town and he says, you know, I'm hungry. He goes, but all I have is this stone and no one will come out. And they put this stone in, in boiling water. And then so-and-so says, well, I have carrots. And right. so-and-so, right. the other person says, well, I have mm-hmm. potatoes. And then they end up with this feast and they all come out and they come together. Right. Right. And it's a secular story. But still in all, it is, it's a way for us to kind of teach this is what this is what Jesus is showing us. This is exactly what we are to do. And these are the things that our children are missing out on. Yeah. Something very so true. small. Mm-hmm. You know, that very small thing. And even when we have our youth services, I love it because some of the kids, all they can do is hold up a sign that says, I'm glad you're here today. Mm-hmm. And you know what? That's okay. If that's your only job, you just do that job. Do that with a smile and hold that up so that when people come to walk into the church, they see that sign that says, we're glad you came today. You know? Yeah. I mean, they're giving back to their community. And, and now, and now I, more than ever, we're going to need that community. Yes. yes. You know, as, as, we, as we start entering into harder and harder times, uh, spiritually, economically, and, and financially, we're going to have no choice but to live by faith and to rely yes. on one another. Um, that's why I, I started organizing the, the group in my father's house, and I even used um, the, the verses from the book of Acts as the mantra of the group. Uh, to, to, we, need to, we need to develop and organize these, um, these uh, communities because um, right. we're, yes. we're going to need each other. Right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, it's funny. I have these um, I have these dreams all the time and I, I don't know what they mean. I have no idea. But I, I do. I have dreams of a house and in that house, it's it's my house and it's just filled with children. And all we're doing is, you know, cleaning and 
you know, playing games and doing whatever and like building this home. And hmm. I don't know what that means. I don't know if that's God speaking to me in some capacity about something. I just don't know what it means. Right. I love um, that, Mimi. I would think so. I would think God's yeah, saying something. I mean, it's, sure. it's a beautiful vision. I get it quite often. Hmm. And I know there's something to it. I just don't know what it is. Um, but I'm willing to wait on my father and see what, what he, what that means. And, uh, see what that uh, entails. But I think community, coming together, doing little things, showing our kids how, um, you know, hey, I'm going down to the church, I'm going to go help uh, mow the lawn and pull the weeds. Why don't you come with me and help me? You could do that too. (laughs) You could help pull some weeds. And all the teenagers say, uh, no. Exactly. (laughs) But you know, it's, it's amazing. But see, that's the thing. The teenagers do say no, but who makes them go? Who makes them go anyway? And and I can tell you that my son, I did make him go. And he used to yell at me. He's like, you're the worst. And this is all in teasing. He was like, you're the worst mom. Why do you make me do these things? <laughs> and, yeah. you know, and he would always get upset with me. But at the same time, that very same person, I remember the one day we were sitting in our apartment and I was cooking and just kind of running around and he was just sitting on the couch doing something and he looked out and he quick jumped up. Like he really like real quick jumped up, ran right out the door. And I'm like, what, is it? what happened? Like, what just happened? <laughs> and so I go to look outside. He ran out because there was one of our neighbors who was probably in like their sixties or seventies, not, and, and very healthy and fine, but they had a bunch of groceries. He just ran up mm. right behind him, grabbed all the groceries out of the car took them right up to their door and just waited for them to come in. Oh, wow. That's great. So Mm. these are the things that, and he did that because now again, he was also raised by my mother. He was touched by that as well. So he saw my mother and father do that. And then he saw me do that. And what he used to always say to me is, you know, he was like, we started this mantra, him and I, and I'm very happy to say that the night that he left on August 12th, we uh, we did this because we did this always, always, always when we left each other. We would always give each other a hug. We would always say, I love you. And then we would always say, wherever you go, I go. Right? <laughs> and that was our, our always our mantra. We always said it and we'd always kind of giggle and, you know, say whatever. And then off we would go. And, um, but I, if we got into something, if there was something going on, like you, you're not going anywhere till this is resolved. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. We're not, we're not leaving this. And so I was very headstrong about that. And, um, and he started living his life like that, but he was touched by the same woman, which is my mother. And it was, it was leading by example, being that mentor, living it. And saying, this is how you got to live your life. And, you know, if this is what you want. And and my mom had it tough. She had it tough. She could have easily at many points in her life Throw chosen in the suicide. Or, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Her mother was on her deathbed in my house. And her own mother would not say, I love you. Wow. And my mother uprooted her whole home. To take care of her until she died. And we all took care of Nana until she took her last breath. And she would not. She treated my mother very, 
very differently and not in a nice way. And she refused. She, mm. And my sis, my aunt was saying, would you please tell Rosemary that you love her? And she goes, no. Wow. And that woman left this world saying that. Wow. Yeah. That's... And you know what? My mother, you, my mother said, that's okay, mom. I love you. Yeah, that's good. That's walking Jesus. Right. Mm-hmm. That's is. walking Jesus. Mm-hmm. So this is why I'm saying, and we need to be that too. And we can't, we can't always, my mom messed up. Don't, I'm not trying to draw a picture that she was perfect. Trust me. She was not. Yeah, of course um, not. None of us. Yeah, she was yeah, none not. of us are. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but here, here's another act of God that I find truly astounding. So when my mother in 1960, my mother became pregnant again. And she was pregnant with my brother, Spud. And I told you about Tommy, who had spina bifida and was born in 1958. So in October of 1960, my brother was born. In December, this is October 27th. On December 8th of 1960, my brother Tommy died in my mother's arms. Oh, I'm sorry. So... Now, my mother knows what it's like to lose a child, right? Yeah. She had two miscarriages. She lost a child as a two-year-old. Now, let's fast forward Mm -hmm. to my oldest sibling, George, dies at the age of 52 from cancer. Mm -hmm. Devastates my whole family, right? My whole family is shook because this, this just, it happened very quickly, okay? And she loses her second child, well, fourth, mm, technically, right, right. right? So um, on the night that George passed, at this point, my parents were older. Um, my mother's Alzheimer's was beginning. Uh, my father had Parkinson's, and their their health was just at the point of beginning a decline. Um, the stress of my brother's death had a huge effect on their health, Um but I remember when I found out and I wasn't there when my brother passed, he was with his children and his wife. And, uh, I got the phone call and I said, okay, I said, I'm going to get JJ up and I'm going to mom's. So I drove to my parents to go tell them. And my brother Bart was there waiting for me, waiting outside. He said, we'll do this together. I said, okay. So we went in and, um, woke up my parents to tell them, and, uh, you know, obviously it was a very devastating day and all of us were shook. It was pretty rough. So then what ends up happening is my mother and I, who were very close, really spoke in detail um, about losing a child. And she would open up to me and talk to me about it. And she shared with me because I asked her exactly what you guys asked me. Mom, how did you do this? Yeah. And my mother said that after she lost Tommy and had a newborn to take care of, the doctors just handed her piles of pills. And they said, here, you got to take these pills. These are going to take all the emotions away and you can get through it. Oh, wow. 
Mm. And that was their answer. That's uh, okay. that's some counseling, right? Right. Oh. Did we just did, lose her? Did we lose you? Oh no. Hmm. I think we might have lost Miss Mimi, which is strange because the phone is still showing a connection. I'm here. Oh, oh there you are. Oh. <laughs> Somehow my mute button went on. I'm oh. Sorry. oh. <laughs> I apologize for no, that. No, it's okay. So she was told to take these pills. So, of course, all right, we'll take the pills. Well, she's like, I can't afford these pills. I can't do this. I have a child to take care of. I have all these other children. I have a house to run. I have all this left. I can't do this. So... Guess what she did? Mm. Any guesses? Um, dumped them out. She threw away the pills, mm. got on her knees, lifted her hands. Yeah. Mm. Mm. And then all those years later, when her son George passed at the age of 52, yeah, she got on her knees, she lifted her hands, and she gave it to God. Mm-hmm. And she struggled. And she talked to me about it. She went to her church. I'm the only one in her family that she spoke openly with about her her struggles with it. Okay, now I might also be one of the only ones who really asked her a lot of questions as well and really wanted to know. But here's what's so great. Um, God, you know, God knows all of it. He knows what's going to happen in the future. He knows. We don't know. Um, certainly my mother had no idea that out of all of her children – I was going to be the only one that lost a child. Yeah. But yet I'm the only one she spoke to about it. And you know, uh, going back to the, the doctor's response to her about, about coping with her son's passing was a, a bottle of pills. You know, that's like, and that the, was in 1960. And that's, and that's today's, today's culture. That's their response to, to dealing with things. Look how yeah. they're, they're pushing um, the, the medical marijuana card. I mean, so many people got it now, and they're in the name oh, yeah. of anxiety. Uh, they're choosing this. This is their Jesus. Mm-hmm. Their God. That's exactly right. Um, they're 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 taking and, and they're doping themselves up. Absolutely. A- and it and it's turning society into a, a bunch of walking zombies. Absolutely. Absolutely. Which is exactly what the enemy wants. Exactly. It makes us weak exactly. and useless. Um, we're basically just walking shells you know if, exactly. if we're all doped up and and not in our sober minds and then we can't you know when they're like that they're so hard to reach yeah because and, and they can't reach know, anybody their mind is numb right yeah so they're not feeling an emotion the conviction because you know once once you've really been touched by jesus and you've chosen him as your savior you know what conviction is right so you know that when you go into a church service and you haven't been there in a while and you're feeling a certain kind of way, it's because God's God's speaking to you, you know, and he's talking to you and he's He's saying, look, I want you back. Yeah. You know, come on back. I want you back. And that's what that is. Like, that's that, you know, little tinge that's saying, come on. And we all, we've all been there. We've all had it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because it's just part of our walk. It's part of what we go through. And you know, it just is amazing to me that with this, with all the drugs and all that, you know, they're they're not feeling it, which right. is why they keep doing it because that takes that away. And it's a it's a form of idolatry. Absolutely. You know, when it becomes they're 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 reaching out to to this marijuana as as their their god. 
Absolutely. To, to fix their problems. Um, and that's that, that fits the description of idolatry. Absolutely. Absolutely. Which, honestly, I'm going to tell you, brings up another subject. Um, I had to fight, and I didn't realize this, um, but my son's death became idolatry. Yeah. Mm. You know what I mean? Oh, sure. So mm-hmm. that was that became my identity that became everything this is what everything is about now everything goes back to this and that became idolatry and it became it was it was uh, part of my valley when i was you know on my walking through my wilderness and really kind of you know hitting my peaks and valleys it was absolutely part of it well, the enemy's um, very sneaky. You know, it's mm-hmm. you know a lot of times when we think of idolatry, we think of like the golden calves and right. people uh, offering sacrifices to you know altar uh, the altar of like uh, Zeus or some other foreign god. But it can be as simple as it's as simple as just putting something in before God. Right. No matter what all it is. All your energy. Mm-hmm. Yes. All of everything you do. All of your energy. Whatever you're focused one hundred percent on. Is about and that's all that. you're on, right? Right. Yeah. And that's what you're. That's what you're idolizing. That's what you are spending your your idolatry in. Sure. And I was fooled. I was fooled. I didn't see it, and God showed it to me. And I, when I saw it, I was like, "Whoa!" Hmm. hmm. You it's, know, it's and something, that, isn't it? It. Oh yeah, it is. It is. He's amazing, though. Um, if you really open your heart to having that relationship and Leah and I have talked about this where you just sit quietly. Yeah. Maybe have some soft music on in the background and just pray to him. Say, Lord, just, just speak to me and, and, you know, just spend some time with me. Um, our pastor's wife, Bobby actually said to me to a bunch of us at one of our prayer meetings, she said, if you ever ask God to just hold you, Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't. And I said, but I'm gonna now. Like yeah. that sounds kind of cool. And I did. And you, you literally feel it. And it is a very comforting, wonderful feeling if you're open to it, right. and you will just allow that to envelop you. It's a beautiful feeling. It's having. You know, I mean, like I said, my my mother, my parents, very good to me, and I I absolutely loved my parents, and they were very uh, loving and kind to me, and that was something that got you through. You know, when you're having, especially when you're little, it's like my brothers are picking on me, and they're just big jerk faces, and I don't like them anymore. And, you know, you're crying because they're being horrible. And then dad's like, come here. And he just grabs you and puts you up on his lap and hugs you. And you just feel like you're in the safest place in the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that and that's, we have a very personal God that, that wants a that very personal that. relationship with us. Right. You know, he wants yeah. us to, he wants us to look at him like daddy. Yeah. You know, yes. like, like he's our parent. Um and that's mm-hmm. that's what's very distinct about Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, when it comes to um, all the gods in the world, there is no god like him. Right. Because Absolutely. no other god um, seeks that kind of relationship with 
their followers. Right. Exactly. Um, and no other God says, I'm going to give you free will to either be with me or don't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Miss Mimi. Yeah, you know, Mimi, we, do, we I, really have I, to I run. respect I'm your so time. Sorry. No, it's okay. This is great. But we definitely want you back on. Uh, you Absolutely, are a, you are yeah. just a wealth of knowledge and information, um, and, and I feel like we could go over so many topics with that. <laughs> I, yeah, this uh, Nini, this yeah. we could keep you on the phone for yeah. hours, and I would not complain. Yeah, um, yeah. but uh, we definitely we want to have you back on though. Anytime. Thank you so Mimi, much. Thank for blessing you. Us. Yes. So you tell me when, and I'm there. Mimi, thank you so much. Thank you're you such so much. a blessing, Mimi. Yes. And keep, thank you. You keep doing what you're doing. This has been healing for me as well. Oh, great. So yes. Great, great, great. Love you, Mimi. I love you too. Okay. Take care. Right. You, you too. too. Bye. 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 Bye.